good morning and Merry Christmas, Village. You're half asleep. So uh, today's text begins to help us think about what happens after Christmas morning. And we are reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. So hear now the word of God. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents didn't know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of God for the people of God. So this is the sixth day of the 12 days of Christmas. For us, we still are in the midst of the Christmas season. But for so many people, Christmas is over. People are already taking the lights down from their houses. They're packing away the decorations, taking them back up into the attic. I don't know how many people have already pulled the Christmas tree out and thrown it on the curb because for so many people, the Christmas season is done and now it's time to move on. Now, for those of us who are Christians... Uh, for many of us, we're already kind of uh, looking past Christmas and uh, we're losing sight of Jesus and the uh, babe that was born in the manger. We are already thinking about New Year's and then comes those uh, short days of the winter time and they're kind of bleak and we're getting back to our ordinary lives and ordinary routines and we too not just the Christmas and Easter Christians but those of us who are every day in the church kinds of Christians we still begin to lose sight of Jesus once the holidays have passed. And so here we find Mary and Joseph in this text who have kind of lost sight of who Jesus is. They lose sight of him physically, but they also have a tendency here to lose sight of him metaphorically. They lose sight of who Jesus is. Now, 
Of course, I think that as he's growing up from time to time, uh, especially probably around his birthdays, Joseph and Mary retell the stories, and they're kind of like, wow, do you think that really happened? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I remember that angel. Or maybe when Zechariah and Elizabeth come around, and then they tell and talk about those stories, but, you know, most of the time, Mary and Joseph are just raising a little boy. No doubt they, they had to feed him and change his diaper. They had to teach him to talk and to walk. I imagine that they had to convince him to try a, a fig or an olive. No, really, you'll like it. And probably Joseph was spending time teaching him the carpentry trade about the different tools and the different kinds of wood. And because both Joseph and Mary were righteous people, no doubt they were raising Jesus in the law and the rituals of Israel and, and, and teaching him how to be a good follower of God. And so in all these ways for Joseph and for Mary, Jesus was a real human being. He is a boy that they have to take care of and raise up. So every year, the family, along with a bunch of the villagers or the tribal people, they go up to Jerusalem for the Passover. And this is a year like any other, except that the text tells us this, that Jesus is 12. Now, this isn't just a random age. It's a very important age because if he's 12, he's nearing his 13th birthday. And of course, in Judaism, 13 is the, is the age when he becomes a man. He comes of age. He becomes he comes of age when he is 13. And it will be a growing independence that begins in this boy Jesus. So coming up there, there's already at work this kind of transition, this kind of change in who Jesus is from being this child to assuming his full identity. And so they go to this festival and when it's over, the whole group, they all are heading back home. And I like to think that maybe like Zechariah and Elizabeth and John were among the crowd. And so Mary and Joseph, they're not being negligent parents. Don't everybody go, how could they have not known where their child was? If you're traveling in this kind of group or if you're part of a village or a tribe, you know everybody's going to look after your children. When we're here in the church, we don't just go, oh, well, those are Brian's kids. I don't care about Adam. We take care of one of uh, one another's kids. And so no doubt they're thinking he's off with John and then there's John. He's, oh, well, where's Jesus? I don't know. Haven't seen him since we were in Jerusalem. And next thing you know, they're running through the crowd. Have you seen Jesus? Where is Jesus? Have you seen him? You parents can relate. You can uh, identify the kind of anxiety that would be growing in you if you didn't know where your kid was. And pretty soon they realize Jesus is not among us, and they hightail it all the way back to Jerusalem and spend three days looking for him. Aha, uh -huh, mamas and daddies, you can feel the panic here. And finally, there they find 12-year-old Jesus sitting in the temple at the feet of the rabbis asking and answering questions like this real prodigy with the law. And all these people are amazed, but in come Mary and Joseph, and Mary's like, 
And, and I don't think the text does her justice. I'm just saying. She's like, boy, what have you been doing? Do you have any idea how long we've been looking for you? We've been everywhere. How could you do this to us? And Jesus, I think, kind of sasses her a little bit. I know some ten-and-a-half-year-old boys, and I can hear something like this coming out their mouths. <laughs> Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? What's the matter with you, Mom? Of course I'm here. And if you uh, look at the Greek words itself, themselves, it, it says something more like, uh, don't you know I have to be about the things of my father? Don't you know I have to be doing the work of my real father? This is who I am, mom and dad. You, you may not remember, but I am Emmanuel, God with us. I am the, the answer to all the promises of Israel. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. You see, Jesus is beginning to say there's this transition happening. I've been obedient to you, mom and dad, all these years, and now you're going to be obedient to me. I am the Messiah. Now, I kind of think that there may be some good reasons that Mary and Joseph don't really remember this identity of Jesus. I mean, on the one hand, maybe they don't want him to be the Messiah. I mean, it sounds good, and, and you know, if you just kind of look at it briefly, but really think about what it means if your son is the Messiah, even if you're just thinking of him as the military political ruler, the next uh, King David, what does that mean for you and your family and for him and what it could mean for his life? You know, it might be a lot better if he was just a carpenter. Or maybe they just have a hard time grasping who their son is. I mean, I, I remember when I was in my 20s in the Air Force, and my parents came to visit me at the base, and they just could not wrap their minds around the fact that their daughter was an officer who had a certain authority and responsibility over this part of the flying mission. You know, uh, we parents, we, we want our kids to succeed and to grow up, but we can't ever get out of our minds the fact that this is my baby. Uh-huh. And I think that's true for them. But on the other hand, in my own life, I think, you know, if the Messiah were living under my roof, I would either drive myself crazy trying to be perfect all the time, or I would go into denial mode, right? I would start to deny altogether that I got the, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, living in my house. But the truth of the Christmas story is that Emmanuel, God with us, is living in our house. This is a God who is with us always and everywhere, here and now. And in fact, for those of you who were not in my Advent study, when we looked at the Gospel of John, it tells us that the Word, the eternal Word of God, became flesh, incarnate, physical form, and dwelt among us. And this Greek word, dwelt, actually means something like pitched a tent among us. 
This is a God who is pitching his tent right here with us. A God who is mobile, a God who is on the move, a God who goes where we go, a God who is no longer just at a distance in the temple that you have to drive, drive to, drive to, drive to or walk to, but a, but a God who is right here among us. This is a God who, who says to us much like Ruth says to Naomi, I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. This is Emmanuel, God with us. But you see, we're not that very different from Joseph and Mary because we too get preconceived notions about who this Jesus is. We want this Jesus to fit into our ideas. We want this Jesus to be controllable, to be obedient to us, to be the one we say he is rather than letting him be who he actually is. And you know, there's a reason there are so many Christmas and Easter Christians. It is so easy to gaze upon the gift of the baby born in the manger or the gift of the cross or the gift of the empty tomb because in that gift God has done everything for us and there is nothing we need to do but gaze lovingly with appreciation and wonder. But what are you going to do those other 362 days of the year? Because the story of Jesus is his call to us, his command to us to go and to be and to do and to follow him day by day, month by month, year by year, not just sitting before those high holy days, but out in the world doing his work. We get these notions, we get in our comfortable ways. And sometimes it's only when some kind of crisis or dramatic thing happens that we begin to remember again who Jesus really is. So one of my favorite movies is Whale Rider. If you've never seen Whale Rider, I recommend it. And it's the story of a Maori tribe in New Zealand. And their founding story is of the great chief who rode atop the whale. And so uh, for this tribe, whales are very important. And they believe that only a male can become chief of the tribe. And so the grandfather, who is the chief, has designated that the child about to be born, the boy, will be the next chief. But at birth, this child dies while his twin sister, Pikea, Pi, survives. And Pi is convinced that she is destined to be the chief, but, but her grandfather says, no, girls cannot become chief. You will not be chief. And so the grandfather sets up this school for all the little boys to teach them the traditional ways to see who has the skills and the aptitudes and the graces. And, and Pi decides she's going to join and do everything they're doing. And when it turns out she's really good at it, grandfather says, you're not allowed here, go away. And so her uncle and her grandmother are teaching her in secret on the side. But the boys that grandfather is training are a sorry lot. Not one of them is, is worth much of anything. 
One night, there's a performance at the school, and they're on their way uh, to, it's dark, and they're on their way to the school for this performance, and they see that a pod of whales has beached itself, which they take to be a terrible omen and warning for the tribe. And so they gather the whole tribe together, and they go to the lead whale, and they try and push it into the sea, and they try and get ropes to pull it into the sea, but they simply cannot budge this massive creature. And then, exhausted and in despair, they all decide, okay, well, we're going to go to the homes and rest and eat, and we'll come back and we'll give it another try. And as they go, Taikea comes up to this lead whale and looks in its massive eye. And then she slowly climbs onto the back of the whale and coaxes it and urges it into the water and the whole pod follows her. And the tribe and grandfather turn back just in time to see pie atop the whale as it plunges into the water. Pi survives, but she almost drowns in the process. And it takes that for the grandfather to open his eyes and to begin to see that, in fact, God has created this little girl to be the next great leader of the tribe. You see, you and I get our preconceived notions. You and I get our ordinary ways of doing things. And we think it's just the way things should be. And all the while, God is trying to get us to see the new thing that we should be doing, the way we should be growing. And as we approach this new year, it's a time for each of us to spend a day or two finding that time to be in prayer with God and asking what it is Christ would have of us in the new year. Now listen, I want to say this. Most of us don't need a major overhaul. We just need to fine-tune some things in our life. In Christ, we don't need to change out the whole engine. We just need to change a couple spark plugs. But we always are having to grow in Christ. We're always having to see him for who he is and hear what he is asking for of us in a particular time. And so I invite us to think and pray about what is it that God is asking of each of us? Do we need to pray more or read the Bible more? Do we need to be more faithful in worship or in, in our financial giving or in our service? Do we need to stop uh, gossiping or judging or whatever God may place upon our spirit in the way we are asked to grow and be ever more faithful to Christ in the coming year? This is what we are called to do for the new year. You see, we can just continue to gaze upon the manger lovingly or just stare at the cross for the rest of our lives, but Jesus is asking us, what are you going to do in the other 362 days in the year? I am Emmanuel. I am the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Come and follow me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.